0: Built Not Born, episode 133. Hey, everyone, it's Joe Chikarone. Today's guest is Stephanie LaFlora. Stephanie LaFlora is a serial entrepreneur, a storyteller, marketer, and creator. Stephanie is on a mission to help increase funding for under-resourced entrepreneurs, improve their brand, and reach their audience stephanie and i discussed what obstacles lie in front of minority business owners why female black business owners don't get the funding they deserve stephanie has such a great story to tell i hope you enjoy if you like what you hear hit that follow button or better yet give us a follow on youtube google built not born on youtube or my name Joe Chikarone, and watch this full interview up on our new YouTube station, enjoy my conversation with Stephanie LaFlora. And remember, life is built, not born. Stephanie LaFlora, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Stephanie, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, Who are you and what do you do?
1: I think the foundation of who I am is I'm an encourager. That's really like my life's work. And the way that I do that right now is by encouraging folks with curly hair to embrace their curls and empowering the professionals in the hair industry to have the education they need to do that. I also help creative entrepreneurs. I do that by helping them with marketing and branding and just helping them enjoy the journey. I think being an entrepreneur is a lonely, it can be a really lonely, isolating and stressful journey. And I think that I bring a lot of energy and excitement and honestly, psychology to just enjoying this journey. Even if you have a family, even if you have a lot of complexity in your life. Stephanie what I'd like to do I
0: would like to get into how you started your journey you basically quit your safe corporate job while you were pregnant during a pandemic to go after your dream which I think is so cool I'd like to talk about that if you could I'd like to talk about the psychology of a business owner but not just a business owner a female business owner, and not just a female business owner, a minority female business owner in this environment, in this economy, the unique specific challenges someone like you may face, the psychology of an entrepreneur, and then also to building community. Founders like yourself, so important to build community. Maybe we'll take them one at a time, but before we get into all of that, I want to start all the way back from the beginning. Where'd you grow up?
1: I'm from Chicago and I love Chicago hard. I love my city. I think that that has a lot to do with my perspective and just being in a melting pot and understanding what diversity can look like in a way that really functions well and is harmonious. So yeah, Chicago is my roots. I'm in Denver now. I got here by way of being recruited by a tech company in Boulder. And it was kind of like, History was made after that. Say, someone asked the
0: eighteen-year-old version of Stephanie Laflora, what she wanted to be when she grew up?" What do you think the eighteen-year-old version of you would have said?
1: Oh, I was certain. I actually knew exactly what I wanted to do at thirteen. Like I was really early. I was one of those nerds that really felt like I knew what I wanted to do. Being a screenwriter. So I actually went to film school. Where'd you go? I went to Loyola Marymount in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, in L.A. Absolutely, yeah. great school. Yep. So. Um, being a storyteller has always been my foundation. It's something that I did really young. I did young authors competitions in like the fifth grade and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I was really a writer first. And that's always been my foundation. So the 18 year old me would be absolutely floored and shocked at what I do mm-hmm. because in my mind, I wanted to be like a super wild, ethereal artist person. Mm-hmm. So being an entrepreneur, it, to me i thought was very opposite what i've learned though in my career is that storytelling is such a powerful skill set that it can be translated into just about anything and that was really what i learned in my early jobs that i had i had the opportunity i was fortunate to be mentored by CEOs really early in my career and i think they saw in me the things that i'm using now but i didn't i didn't know that that was in me, and they really helped me understand how my skill set could be translated into entrepreneurship, pretty seamlessly. Yeah, and and that really opened my eyes and and started me on this path.
0: A couple things there. One, I'll get the storytelling in a second. But Loyola Marymount is there a prettier campus in the country? Oh, oh my, my gosh!
1: Gosh! Oh my gosh! It's so beautiful. I'm like, it's crazy. I like aesthetics. You know. Oh. That chapel that. on the cliff, like oh, yeah, that chair. So really yeah, yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, like, like you think, like, were you an Entourage fan, a TV show Entourage yep, back in I the was. day? Uh-huh. When i I walked on that canvas. I thought Vince Chase and Turtle were going to walk out. <laughs> like it's, it's like you oversee LA. You see the Hollywood sign to the right. It's okay. it to the left. It's
1: crazy. It's just like where you could really dream. Yeah, you know? it's so crazy. Yeah, I was camera. there, like, yeah, I loved Loyola. That was a great experience for me, for sure.
0: And then get back to screenwriting. You said the power of storytelling. Storytelling is so human. Anything you do from like waitress to CEO to whatever, like the power of a story is so impactful, isn't it?
1: It's really incredible. And I really didn't understand how powerful it was. As a young person, I was really thinking more literal when it came to telling stories. I have this really interesting story that I think really explains how my mind was opened in this. I was recruited by a tech company, a data tech company, pretty young. And I really was there to tell interactive stories. So take my storytelling background, and then this was like at the beginning of apps Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out how to create interactive curriculum with apps. And so even though I didn't have the technical background, my ability to translate and storytelling on any medium was really the thing that got me into the door with tech. Mm -hmm. But it was a startup. So you start doing all these kind of things. Like early in a company, you're doing all kinds of activities. And the CEO is a very seasoned, has a ton of success behind him. I wrote the pitch for us to get a grant. And it made sense for me to do that, right? Because I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing the pitch for how we can qualify to get this grant and all these things. And I go to the pitch meeting. It makes sense for me to be there, but I was the youngest person in the room by a lot. I was the only woman in the room, and there was one other person of color, but that was it. So I'm in this room. I'm pitching to a billionaire directly to him because the relationships that my CEO had, it was unique. So I was able to get into some interesting rooms. So I'm pitching to this foundation, this billionaire, directly on why we should get this grant for $5 million in order to execute this program. And again, my intent was just to create the pitch. My thought was that my CEO was gonna actually deliver the pitch. So we get in the room and it's like three or four people in a room, very small room, very VIP, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just there to like push buttons and like maybe get a coffee <laughs> if needed because I'm really young at this point. But I wrote the pitch, so the CEO, without saying anything to me prior, looks at me again, and goes, "You know this, right? You got this." And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, kick us off, Stephanie." I had no idea I was going to deliver this pitch. I had never delivered a pitch in my entire life, and I delivered the pitch and got five million dollars.
0: So true. that's cool. That
1: was like one of those things where it was like, "Oh, okay." Like, I'm like, wheels are turning. My skill set is being reimagined yeah. at a whole nother level yeah. than I had originally thought it could be imagined. And I have to credit the people who I was around with seeing that in me and also putting me in those scenarios where I could just like, you know, it's a, it's so definitely a fire hose experience.
0: The two things that are one. Sometimes people see things in you that you don't see in yourself just yet. You know what I mean? Maybe you you or I wouldn't have the confidence at that age to say, well, I'm going to pitch the billionaire. I'll get the $5 million. Like, oh, I'm going to get the coffee, push the buttons, you know, just be in the background to <laughs> me. But you said your CEO or you know, the person who had the connections, they saw something in you. They knew you had that in you and they brought it out. And the storytelling, like you thought maybe you'd be telling stories on a screen, go to Loyola Marymount. You think you're going to go to film. You're going to be the next Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or whatever. And then now you're telling stories and you're changing minds, but it's in conference rooms or it's like Mm -hmm. one-on-one. You know what I mean? It's a story, but it's in a different venue, right? Like it's just amazing how you could take something and bring it to something else and it could have power in places you never thought it would have power. And you'd utilize it in places you never thought you could utilize it, right?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I wouldn't have even imagined that at 18. I would have never imagined it. So I'm always open. I'm always yeah. willing to try something and I'm rarely afraid. Yeah. And that has really helped me.
0: Even if you're self-confident, maybe some people are born maybe a little bit more self-confident than others, but like maybe some people are a little more outgoing than others, just mm-hmm. naturally, maybe you're naturally confident, but what's that do for your confidence? Say your confidence out of four, naturally, <laughs> that CEO gives you that opportunity and you yeah. crush it. Where's your confidence after that?
1: Oh, I mean, like, it was the a real cool deal. It was a really big deal. In fact, the, awesome. the company that we pitched to even came back around again, because I was just so much younger than everybody. It was obvious. I think that was probably an earlier time in my career doing something like that. So they came back around to the executives at my company and said, hey, I just want you to know that we closed this deal because of her. And they told them that. So it was really a transformative moment for me. Because that was when I thought, oh, a lot more is possible than I've ever imagined. And I already have a lot of the skills. So that really opened up my imagination to think, okay, what else can I do? Uh,
0: I mean, like you, just to recap, you said there's, that moment gave you that thought where there's a lot more possible than you can ever imagine. That is so cool. So then you get there. Let's fast forward. Let's get to the point where one of the points when I was looking at your bio that really struck me, what's it like for a person to quit their job to start their own business during a pandemic while they're pregnant? Whoa, that's a <laughs> lot. Could you walk um, us through that moment? Like what brought you there? And then what what, what went through your mind with all that going on?
1: I mean, in short, it's terrifying. Um <laughs> But I think that, I think a lot of people probably have this in common with me. I will call myself a very reluctant CEO. I was terrified of creating a business and taking on the risk that incurs, especially because I had a very well-paying tech job as a Black woman in America that's already rare enough. Mm. Do I really need to do more? Do I really need to push myself into more of a rare category? Like, is that what I really want? And so even though I knew what I wanted to create um, and I felt really convinced of the opportunity of the market, I just kept not launching. And it was because of that fear. Mm. And so I really worked on that. And I always tell people that I was at this crossroad. There was this moment where I was just like, I wish I could do it. I wish I could figure out how to feel confident enough to do it. And I was just like kind of searching for answers in this season. And I remember that when I went past that, I thought I'm going to make a mental note of what got me past that barrier, because at the time it felt so elusive. It felt so uh, like I couldn't even grasp it. And really what it was is that I examined every alternative that I could come up with. And when I did that, I realized that the thing I really wanted was to go and take this leap. And I really was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just go into this other industry. Maybe I'll just do this other job. Maybe I'll just work at this different company. And I did explore all of that. I applied. I did all the things that you do. And as the opportunities came in, nothing gave me life. like, yeah. And they were great opportunities, but none of them moved me in any way. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? What's happening to me right now? What's internally going on? And then I just like remembered the original dream and I was like, this is what we want to do. Yeah. So then it's a question, will I do the thing that I want to do or will I not? And then when it came down to that, it was clear to me that the next step was to, to go for it. So, when it was during a pandemic, I'm pregnant, all these things, none of that timing was mine. <laughs> I had been working on getting to a strong MVP so that then I can go and raise funds and launch a business. Well, it just so happens that the conditions that were going on during the pandemic were ideal. So we got to 2,000 subscribers in a very short amount of time with ads that were converting very cheaply. So it was like the timing of us launching was really more based on the demand growing. And then I quit my job and three weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. So I always say, I'm not the keeper of time. That's what keeps me sane is to tell myself that. Mm -hmm. I can plan, I can have ideas, I can do all these things. But at the end of the day, the timing of things is going to happen outside of my control a lot of times. Try to guide it. I can Mm -hmm. try to anticipate it. But the Mm -hmm. exact moment, I cannot cannot decide. And so when all of that happened at the same time, I could tell you, I would never have chosen to do all that at the same time (laughs) in my life. Never. Yep. But I had already made this internal commitment and gone through this whole process of like, is this for me? Is this not for me? Am I willing to do this? Am I willing to take this bet? And I had planned, I had saved, I had did everything that you do mm-hmm. in order to get to that point. And then it just all popped off like, literally, the pandemic happened, then the demand happened, then I was pregnant. It was beyond me, yeah. you know? And at that point, I remember when I found out that I was pregnant. This is after it already, I hadn't left yet, but I had already given my notice. I was freaking out. (laughs) Like, I wasn't, it was like, I never planned to do all these things at the same time. And not only that, but I was starting an accelerator the next month. Wow. Right. So I did demo day, seven months pregnant. I raised funds pregnant, visibly pregnant. And you know who writes these checks? Mostly not women. (laughs) Yeah. I had to like process, like, how am I going to do all of this? And I just came to this conclusion that I'm not the keeper of time. Yeah. I know I'm I'm grown. You know what I mean? Like, I know I thought through this. Yeah. I, know I did the internal work. If this is how this is all aligning, then so be it. And so at that point I just decided that this was, must be the way that my story was meant to go. And it was hard. It was really hard. But I did it. Wow, That
0: is so cool. Uh, are you familiar with like stoic philosophy at all or stoicism or no. anything like that? So th- there's this a, a branch of philosophy made popular by a writer, Ryan Holiday. And you're just like so stoic, you don't even know it. It's like, it's basically you control a small amount of microscopic part of the universe. Like it might be like this much. And that's what you can control. The rest is either out of your control or you could maybe barely influence. Like you said, you can nudge it, you can guide it. Maybe you can like delay it a day or two, but you can't stop it or you can speed it up a little bit, but it's going to happen. And you just go with the wave. You go with the wave and adapt to the rest. And that's exactly what you did. And like you said, the timing was crazy and you just rode that wave right into the shore. That is so cool. What was it like when you went to quit your job? So I, I take it you're pretty successful. They probably really liked you at work. When you walked in into your boss and just said, hey, I'm giving my notice, what kind of comments did you hear?
1: Well, I was really nervous about it, but I have to give credit because this is the same CEO who put me in that scenario many years prior mm-hmm. with the pitch. So I think he had always been nudging me to entrepreneurship, to be honest. Okay. He was aware that I was building. So it was a unique relationship. He also was one of the first investors in my company. That is cool. Um, So it was really, really unique. I have to say that I was very fortunate in that way. And so the conversation was really about like, all right, what do you need? How are you going to be successful? Tell me what you need. Let's talk through the strategy. Like he had always been a bit of a mentor for me. And it was a unique conversation than what would normally happen. But I think that throughout all of it there's something and i and i want to speak to this cuz i think there's a lot of talk about women but i think there's something so incredibly powerful about being pregnant it's a very unique obviously experience but not only that this is my second child so i already had a kid i know how sensitive like your hormones, your cortisol levels, your stress levels are for a baby. So I always say and I'm very happy that this happened the way that it did, although it was very hard because I knew I had to remain calm. So it forced me into this. I started my entrepreneurial career and was forced to remain calm throughout it and protect my mental health in a way that I probably wouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. because I would have been like oh it's go time I'm about to hustle I'm a because I'm obviously I'm a go-getter but like I was that would have been the space I would have been operating in because I would think okay I'm elevating myself to the next level this is the moment where i really got to give my all but because I was pregnant I had to think about it differently I had to think about like okay well what's the most efficient thing I can do right now and how can I create space where if I'm If I need to rest, I can rest, you know? And so it forced me to create a different relationship with work at the same time as me becoming an entrepreneur. And that was really helpful, I think, for me.
0: One of the, I think, the initial challenges I see, no matter what business people build, is the community. They want to build the community where it's like a bunch of like-minded people that when they do X, they do X this way. You know what I mean? Like it's either jujitsu or if you have a smoothie stand or you're doing hair, whatever it is, you have like a community and people like Seth Godin. Are you familiar with Seth Godin? And so Seth's been a guest on the show. And one of his sayings that when this stuff comes up is that people like us do things like this and that is community. What kind of challenge was it or how important, I guess how important is
1: building a community and what kind of challenges did you find doing that? I think that one of the things about community, building a strong community in a lot of ways is kind of the antithesis of what you feel pressure to do as a startup founder. And the reason why is because if you get venture funding and stuff like that, immediately the goals you have to hit are so aggressive that building community a lot of times is a slower play. It's a lot more, um, the ROI is longer term. Now, eventually, that hockey stick really kicks up when people trust you, build community and all that. But like it takes a while because trust is not overnight. And so, a lot of times, I feel like startups don't feel like they should start with building a community because they got to hurry up and get traction. And traction and community don't always feel like the same approach. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've learned through trial and error that community is so critical and it's critical for lots of reasons. One, you don't really understand your branding or your marketing if you don't really understand your community. You don't know how you're supposed to be talking to them, what to show them, How can you be relatable to them if you're not in communication with them often? And then the second thing is why you want to build community and not just have some group people you ask questions. That's nice. But if you have a real community, they'll tell you when they don't like something. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get that feedback. Real feedback is one of the hardest things to get as a business owner, especially early on. So if you build that community, then you have people that will tell you, I don't like that. And you want them to tell you it with passion. Because then that lets you understand like what they really need and what they really want and what their expectations were. And so that those are so freaking valuable yeah. to have that, that it becomes worth it to invest in building a community early on. And they can help you figure out what your next feature will be if you're doing a tech product or if you're doing a service business, what's the next thing you need to add? So all that work that startups do and trying to get product feedback, you can essentially create this great Space where you can keep coming back to those people. And that's what influencers do really well. And that's what celebrities do really well. That a lot of times startups don't really think about because it's really focused on product and distribution. And product and distribution is great, but it's not relationship.
0: The two things you mentioned there follow up on. You said be relatable and feedback. If people can't relate to you or your product, you're dead, right? Because if you're not yeah. relatable, People aren't engaged. If they, This podcast is not relatable to, to X. X isn't going to listen to it at all. Then once you're relatable and then they start like connecting with you and you can get feedback from your real fans, just say 99% of the world is going to ignore you. But for that 1% that, that like you said, people like us do things like this, like those, we'll call it your community, right? Like our, the community we're trying to build. You can get feedback of hey, we need more of this, less of this. We need the product to go faster, slower, thicker, you know, thinner, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. you can get their feedback and build it into the next iteration and the next iteration. Oh my gosh, how re- and you're more relatable and you have mm-hmm. more connection, and then you get more feedback, and then you wonder why some brands just take off and they have a, such a loyal following because uh, you're relatable and th- with the feedback, right? It's a two- Yeah,
1: and like it's hard. It's so hard in the beginning, and one thing I, I, I another thing I've learned is like no feedback is feedback. Yeah, because a lot of times you don't get any feedback, and that's like, well, what do I do? Huh. No feedback is feedback. No feedback means that you're not even there yet. Yeah. They don't care. You haven't heard. They don't care. You're not, you're not relatable. That's really what feedback is. And at that point, you probably just need to listen more. You need to just ask questions. How can I solve your problem? You know, and so community is just such a big like. Aha, uh-huh. not to mention the fact that social media ad like ads and things, everything's so noisy. There's so much mm-hmm. that's out there that it's becoming harder and harder to actually reach the people who care about what you are doing. Oh, so true. How about so if you that? don't community, then you can't do you can't have those conversations. Yeah, that's so true. So how about this? So
0: say all right, so you say you start your own company, right? You take your big chance, pandemic pregnant, leave your job, you do it, you're starting to be relatable, you get some feedback. So then how does like an early stage startup CEO entrepreneur with, like you said, it's so much noise out there and there's so much buying for people's attention. How can that person get in front of investors and convince them to write checks? The ability to do that, it's got to be a game changer. What are some best practices or how hard was that to start off?
1: Oh, it's crazy. It's like it's it's a it's a ridiculous <laughs> it's a ridiculous and endeavor statistically, right? Like, yeah. I feel like all entrepreneurs are like masochists because like whilst I mean, you got to be able to endure some pain in order to go through this. Uh, yeah. So raising funds is crazy hard, but there's options and, and, and understanding your options is really important. A book that I recommend is Venture Deals. You read Venture Deals, you understand how VC works as almost as good as the people in the room that are writing the checks, probably as good.
0: The if the author, author, do you know the author of that one? Oh, Venture Deals.
1: I should know. I will find out. I'll
0: find. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, I'll put. Yeah. Uh, but
1: venture deals is where you want to start. That like really tremendous. It's a it's a meaty book. It's hard okay. to get through, it, but it's got everything in it. Um. Another thing is really understanding your options. Like VCs are one option. That's the one that people think of as like the you know North Star um plan, mm-hmm. and that works for some people, but it doesn't work for a lot of other people. I am the type of person who I want to set the bar as high as possible. I want to go after it and then I want to learn from that experience where yeah. I really want to be. Yeah. And that's how I've been. But I had the opportunity to race with venture. Uh, I we also did a crowdfund, equity crowdfund. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got angels. So I've had experience with like most of the type of funding that people acquire um with institutional capital, capital. And it's very, very difficult. But it all actually starts with, there's a couple of key elements. Um, One, what problem are you trying to solve? Who are you trying to solve it for? Why is that vital? And how big is the market opportunity? That's like the core. You start with that, and that needs to be extremely compelling. And then the part that a lot of founders struggle with, and I've actually worked with founders on their pitch, is the story part. And that was where I again, it like, it all comes full circle for me. We were fortunate, although I hate this statistic, it's true. In 2022, we were fortunate enough to be one of around 100 black female-owned businesses to receive venture capital. Like that's it.
0: Only 100 so, businesses. Only 100 received.
1: Really, black female. Yeah. Black, black female. You see. Black women receive less than 1% of the venture funding that goes out annually. Wow. So the stats are nuts. So with something like that, like how do you approach that? One, you do your research. You need to know how it works. Even if it intimidates you, keep, keep doing it until it's not. I have a friend right now. She's uh, just recently won a pitch competition. She's launching her company this year. She's currently raising... She's about to go raise around. And this week, she is meeting with as many people who will listen to her pitch all day long to just pitch nonstop Mm -hmm. to improve her pitch. You know, like, you got to be a little maniacal with it. Like, it really becomes... It's a full-time focus if you're pitching venture. Angels are a little different because they are really high wealth individuals and so they may be more passionate about your why and your mission they're not mm-hmm. always as like just purely numbers driven like VCs are but raising money is really hard it's really hard it's so hard that actually i think there's a lot of other things you can do it's so much work that if you have a skill set like a very profitable skill you may be able to fund your business by spinning up a business on the side mm. and doing that. Or, you know, there's a lot of options. I just think that we romanticize funding with venture and there's a lot of alternatives and they should be explored.
0: How much say you have a vision for your business and you want to go take it this way? And how much of that freedom do you lose when the venture people come in?
1: It depends on how much equity, how much money you're getting from them and how and whether or not they want a board seat. So those are the the main things that, that dictate that. Okay. Typically, once you start getting into significant amounts of money, like a million, maybe even five hundred thousand plus, you're going to have someone on your board. At that point, the oversight is a lot more significant mm-hmm. and they are. Um, they can't make the decisions, but they definitely can apply pressure <laughs> around the decisions you make. You're also typically dependent on a funder for the next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, not completely. Like, obviously, you're going to go after other um funders, but you always want to get with a funder who would likely participate in the next round of funding that you need. So having a good relationship with them is vital because they're the first check that's going to be written when you yeah. need to raise money again in a year. So they have a lot of influence over that. Now obviously if you get into significant portions of your business being sold through equity to a, a funder, then Everything changes at that point because you're just an employee, really. Because at that point, once you lose a certain percentage of ownership, you aren't really the owner.
0: That's such a fine line between like taking the money and losing control or not having enough money, but owning everything, being totally in control. You know, there's a great line. I forget. It was from Mad Men. If you don't take their money, they can't tell you what to do. (laughs) You know, But, but sometimes you need the money. It's such a double edged sword. My gosh. How about this? In, in today's environment, post-COVID, from your perspective, what are some of the unique challenges? A black, female-owned CEO business, uh, what, what do you think you're facing that maybe the average person doesn't know you're going, not going through, but like what, what kind of obstacles do you think are in front of you that maybe aren't in front of other CEO entrepreneurs?
1: Statistically, like I said, less than 1% of Black women receive venture funding. So I shouldn't even say it that way. Less than 1% of the venture funding that is distributed annually mm-hmm. goes to Black women. Wow. Simultaneously, though, there's another stat. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. So think about that. Yeah, the Most businesses being created, the least funding being distributed. I don't, wow. You know, like that's that there's a huge gap there. Right. So, and that's not, that gap isn't happening because people aren't qualified. (laughs) Right. You know, Mm -hmm. like, so I think there's two things. There's one, just the stats itself. Like that's a unique challenge to try to overcome. Another thing is a lot of times, depending on what your business is, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they don't get it. If your business solves a problem that is unique to your community, or maybe not even unique to your community, but is perceived that way. So Crown Hunt is a perfect example. Crown Hunt is making life easier for people with curly hair. Mm -hmm. I spend, when I'm in pitch meetings, 100% of the pitch meetings are across the table from a white man. Mm -hmm. What do they know about curly hair? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, absolutely nothing most of the time they assume that that means black people. It doesn't. 65% of the population in this country has curly hair. That's 200 million people. But then they're like, but but how is this not niche? I get that. Like from people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I literally just told you the stat. It's not niche. So I think overcoming the, uh, it just doesn't. Um, I just don't know. It's just not clicking for me. Mm-hmm. The truth is that a lot of investors, regardless of how smart they are, Regardless of how many spreadsheets that they have, mm-hmm. make investments based on gut. And your gut, if your world is very homogenous, will almost never lead you to something that feels totally different. It's psychological. Like it's a lot of things. There's a lot of things in it. There's racism. There's a lot of things in it. Sure. But at like just the just the high-level perspective. Yep. Take a little bit of the emotion out of it for just yeah. a second. Yeah. You're up against the psychological challenge because you have a group of people who they they do what they do based on their gut and their gut never includes you. Yeah. So how the hell do you communicate to them something that moves them? And the math should be the way that you do it. But you could talk to black founders all day or minority founders all day and they can show every spreadsheet that needs to be shown to demonstrate the art opportunity in the market. And it still is like, mm, I don't know. I think there's another layer. The other layer of the psychology is within you. Mm -hmm. And this is where I like to speak to and work on, because this is the part I can control. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that is like how much programming has been put in you to believe that when you walk in a room, nobody's going to hear you, nobody's going to see you. Mm -hmm. How much psychology has been put into you to downplay, to ask for less, to lower the bar, to really... Just kind of change your goals based off of the stats that you understand. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of rephrase that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very challenging psychologically as a Black founder to show up with the same amount of confidence and enthusiasm as someone else who will be seen as a typical investment. hmm And you're seen as more of a novelty investment, Mm -hmm. even though you might have same industry, you might have same opportunity, you might meet all the qualifications. And a lot of times you have to think outside the box. A lot of times you have to, I mean, yeah, your your confidence has to be crazy. You also need community around you. You need to know people who have done it, Mm
0: -hmm. who look
1: like you, who can talk to you, can speak to you, can encourage you. Mm Because if you don't have that, it's really easy to feel like, well, this is impossible.
0: Yeah. Wow! Thank you for sharing that. That is oh, I think that's an MBA right there. That's <laughs> that's three credits to your next MBA right there. Oh my god, that is fantastic. And then, where, where do you think that confidence comes from? You having that confidence, not just to start the business, not just to to move forward with it. But like actually go into the room and like you said, not ask for less. Like you said, some people are programmed to ask for less or maybe I shouldn't even be here. And I I don't want to ask for 10. I'm only going to ask for five because I'm programmed that way. Where's that confidence come from when you want 10, you're asking for 10. Like you go in there with the confidence where that person might not look like you, might not understand your story, might not totally empathize, or maybe not even be aware of the opportunity that's out there because of the world they come from. Where's that confidence coming to walk, sit there, look across the table and ask for exactly what you need?
1: Uh, well, uh, twofold. One, I've been in tech for 10 years. I've seen people with no college degrees that dropped out, wear shorts and flip flops and a backpack and a raggedy T-shirt every day and make tons of money, mm-hmm. command rooms. Yeah. It's happening already. They don't look like me, but they don't look like what the standard used to be either. Mm -hmm. So if they can have that confidence, why can't I? That's one. Second is, and I'm passionate about this, but the second is my ancestors are the strongest people, some of the strongest people to ever exist in history. Mm -hmm. To be able to survive 400 years of enslavement and become presidents. Yeah. And Supreme Court judges and like all these things. Where does that come from? How could that be? It comes from the imagination. It comes from will. It comes from trying anyhow when there are no odds that make any sense. And so I have a lot of that in me. My grandmother marched with Martin Luther King. She was she did not go to college and she became a millionaire. Like I've been raised by people who thought, why not me? even when no one was doing it. And so I have a lot of that fire in me to, I never think that I should be the one that didn't do it. I feel like I always feel like, why not me? That's how I always feel, no matter what the stats are, because I know that human power and ambition and willpower is like divine. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it's not something that it like it multiplies, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really, truly, deeply believe that—not just for myself, but for anybody else, even people who don't look like me. And that's why I always say, encouraging people—that's my life's work, because I really believe that. I believe in the human spirit.
0: That is so powerful. That is so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. As the interviews unfold, I kind of write notes to myself of what would this—this like—where's the title? Of this going to be a couple of weeks when I post it. I started off like twenty minutes ago. The power of storytelling. I'm at right now, why not me? That's a great title for that. You know, that's so I love powerful. It. I love that's so, it. And you mentioned about like your like your ancestors, and you said you go 400 years ago, you said they're slaves, and all of a sudden the Supreme Court justices are presidents of the United States, you got that in you. Um, it reminds me a little bit. Um, I follow um this Navy SEAL called Jocko Wellink. And um, one of the things he says when he loses people in combat, really good people, they lose. Over you know fighting overseas, uh, they say live to honor them. Like you know, where, where's like your where like where like why do you work so hard? Why do you do what you do continually? You know, twenty years in, he's like, I live to honor them. I live to who who came before me. So it sounds a lot like what you're saying right there. You're like you're don't know. Yeah, to honor them. That's yeah so cool. I agree
1: with that because like their imaginations made it possible for me to exist. What could my imagination do for somebody later?
0: Yeah, oh, so, so, so everything so, so. that's
1: unimaginable becomes, and it cool. becomes from an individual believing in an imaginable. You know? Yeah. Well, so i just like, that's what I feel like we're here to do.
0: Which, what would you would think was insane 30 years ago is commonplace today, and what you think is insane today will be commonplace 30 years from now. You know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. you keep people keep pushing reinvent. Just reimagining stuff and, and putting things forward in the world that they didn't think were possible. And you, you just keep building off of that. That's great. I want to switch over. First off, thank you for that story. That's just phenomenal what you've done. Your story is just awesome. Stephanie, I want to just transfer over to a part of the interview we call Share Your Secrets so our listeners can get to know you more as a person. Entrepreneurs like yourself are usually really big, routine people either how they start their day or end their day, right? So like, what's your routine? Like how do you either start your day or end end your day? Which What is your routine?
1: So I'm, I think actually more of like an artist in how I live my life than like, what is a stereotypical type A business person. So for anybody who's listening, who fits that demo, For me, it's about how my day feels Mm -hmm. more than it is about a strict routine of like this happens, then that happens, and then that happens. I have to start my day calm. Mm -hmm. I don't care what's going on. If I have to move really fast, if I have a really big thing that's coming up, I have to be calm. So that means quiet time. And I got kids, so this is not easy to do. (laughs) But (laughs) I... (laughs) I have to I have to be calm. And that's just my own demeanor. Like I'm not gonna feel rushed. If I need to wake up earlier to just like have a calm day, then that's what I need to do. Okay. I also take walks pretty much every day, even in the wintertime when it's cold, because I just need walks. Walks are really helpful for me to like process the day. They're really helpful. Health- they're just great mental health working out which is a more recent thing, I'll admit, but it really is transformative. Yeah. And then how I end my day is probably more of a routine. I just like really have to take care of myself. I spend all day just like giving. Yeah. And I feel like at the end of the day, I need time to myself. I need to take a slow bath. Yeah. I need to do my skincare. I need to like... Mm-hmm. Read a book. I need yep. to relax. I need to listen to music. How I end my day really helps me with how the next day feels. So that's, an, that's another routine thing. But the main thing is like, I will be calm no matter what. No, even the craziest, most stressful day yep. will not catch me upset and yelling. Like the more intense things get, the more calm I get. Because yeah. that's the only way I could think. It's like, oh, this got really tense. Let me calm down. So I'll take a walk. When most people would be like on the phone, I'll meditate for 10 minutes instead of, you know, doing something else. Because I just, for me, everything comes from the calm place.
0: Love it. Be the calmest person in the room. Right? That's you. That's so cool. And when you go for a walk, how long does you walk?
1: Like 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. Awesome. But and I'm Colorado, so it's beautiful. Oh uh, yeah, it's like, awesome. I had like I trails around my house. <laughs> so great. Now, in there's a
0: little bit of a physical benefit to that, but that's so mental, isn't it? it just clears your head. It's just so mental. It's ninety nine percent mental, isn't it? It's just so <laughs> great. That is now that that is fantastic. How about this? You mentioned you read a book. Can you think of a book that influenced your life or changed your mind more than any other? Do you have a favorite book?
1: Oh well, I'm reading Big Magic right
0: now. Oh, Elizabeth um, Gilbert yeah and that looks crazy good
1: yeah i i am like trying to expand i've been creative my whole life and i've never really thought i haven't really like invited people into how i think about creativity because it feels like just like my dna is creative but i i am excited to like bring in more ideas and concepts and philosophies into that because I'm I'm requiring so much more of myself right now than I ever have that I want to expand my view of yeah. even what's possible with creativity. So big magic yeah. is something I'm reading right now that really I think I'm excited to see like where it takes me. Yeah.
0: Uh, do you yeah. get to the part yet? How far are you through the book? Like how
1: I'm okay. just I'm just I just started. So okay, I, I,
0: there's a part where she's going to do a project and she decides not to do it. And she has a conversation with someone and it's crazy. I don't remember it for you. But when you get to that part where she like she stops the project and someone picks it up for her, it's, 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 it's a cra- book's it crazy. It's a great book. Uh, awesome too. Uh, before, before we hang up, I got a couple of creativity books for you. I think you'll love. I'll, I'll send them okay. to you. How about this? How about this? When you need to clear your mind and recharge your body, what do you do?
1: walks like I said like that was huge mm-hmm. for me um just sitting in a quiet room yeah I mean I have a lot of noise in my life
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how old are your kids
1: five and one and a
0: half oh you're in the grind so you got I'm you in got the grind crazy- I'm
1: <laughs> in the, the grind okay. okay like I'm sitting through the night like I'm got. in that world I got um, this but that place you like <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, like that- quiet I'll just sit in my car yeah and just oh, sit there it's the best like,
0: place it's like a safe house. Sometimes your car is a safe it's house.
1: Weird. Seriously, <laughs> so like for me, just like quiet, like actual silence. There's no stimulus. Sometimes I'll go and I'll like close the blinds in a room and just sit in a dark room. That sounds like weird, but no, it sounds perfect. Like, low stimulus no, it sounds scary. <laughs> is what what helps me.
0: <laughs> How about this? How about this? What advice would you give to maybe maybe a young entrepreneur, kind of like you, ten years maybe ten years behind you? considering the same sort of leap or same sort of thing that you got into, what advice could you share with them to help them along the way?
1: I'm not a pessimist, but I think that my advice is often sounds pessimistic because I think when people think about taking a leap, the thing you think about is what if I fail? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's like, will I do this. Can I do this? What if I fail? Mm -hmm. If something's been gnawing at you long enough where you just, you're thinking about it when you're tossing around in your sleep, You're thinking about it when you're like at work in a meeting and you're just like, I cannot do this anymore. I have to do this other thing. Mm -hmm. If something's gnawing at you like that, even if you fail at the business, you will succeed at listening to your intuition. And that will teach you something that is so powerful. It will tell you what to do next. There's gold on the other side, no matter what.
0: That's what I would say. There's gold. So just do it. And no matter what happens, there's going to be gold on the other side of that leap, no matter which way it goes.
1: It's the direction that you're supposed to go. And so whatever's on the other side of that is what's for you. That's the next spot, you know, because we like to premeditate failure. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anxiety, anxiety, just failing in in advance. The worst
0: possible thing. Let's think about it like it all. Let's act and make it feel like it already happened. Crazy. Right. Human beings are our own worst enemy. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, Kind of a similar question, but let's just say like big picture. Stephanie, we talked about a lot. We talked about storytelling, Loyola Marymount University. You were in tech, getting 5 million uh, feedback, being relatable, building community. If you could have everyone listening, take just one lesson away from everything we discussed what would that lesson be?
1: Bet on yourself. The example that that will, that that will enrich your life no matter what. Bet on yourself. Wow. Even That's if great. you fail, you can fail miserably.
0: Mm-hmm. Bet on yourself. That's so great. It
1: still will give you, it will still enrich your life, period.
0: That's it great.
1: will never fail you to follow your intuition. It just won't. It's just... inevitable, right? So you can fail, not you can fail doing the safe thing, and you can fail doing the thing you really want sure. or that you feel drawn to. You know, the thing you're drawn to is going to teach you something. If you're in a safe zone and you fail, there's nothing really there other than maybe I should take the leap now. Mm-hmm. Your soul knows what's up.
0: Yeah, that's great. How about two fun questions to wrap everything okay. up. Stephanie, if you could spend the day with anyone alive or dead famous not famous who would you spend the day with
1: i mean i'm gonna be real with y'all it's Hit Beyonce. Me. it's Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> like no, that's perfect i'm not giving you like no, Beyonce is the queen yeah. um she understands so she's brilliant she's yep. the empathetic brilliant human yep and I just want to know. I just want to know it all. Like Beyonce. It's definitely Beyonce for me. Sorry, I'm going to keep it really real. And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you do? with it? How would you spend the day with it? What would you want to do with Beyonce?
1: I would want to make a song. Yeah. Cool. to. I want to experience her creative process doing something she's brilliant at. Yep. I want to do that. And I'd do some music production. So I would love, I would make a song with Beyonce.
0: Yeah. I love Irreplaceable. Like I never turn that song off when that comes on. Like to the left, to the left. Like I listen to it from start to finish every time that song comes on. Like I love that song. That's so good. She's so good. Last question, Stephanie Laflora. If you had to get a quote or a saying tattooed on your body, what would that quote or
1: motto say? Oh, this one's good. I have one. Yeah, let's go. You- you can't really see it, but it says, I think I can. I like the little engine that could Let's go. You're the first guest in a hundred. Some already had it, but
0: you're the first one that showed me. It's awesome. I think I can. Awesome. I think I can. I think yep. I can. When did you get that? How long ago? Uh,
1: I got this in like 2015, probably. Okay. Uh, I am not a person who... Enjoys fitness, although recently I have, but you know, it's always been like a more high bar for me. I was in a I did a race, it was a 5k, which okay. for a lot of y'all is very small, but for me, it was a big deal. Yeah, but then also it was just like this mental thing of getting over whatever it is that feels impossible. You can all you gotta do is just keep doing it, just keep doing it, keep doing it. And it's this simple, it can be as it can be as soft. And as like simple and innocent as the children's book, you know, like it doesn't have to be this. I am the best in the universe. It don't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. It could actually just be, I think I can. Mm -hmm. And if you show up every day, you did it.
0: Yeah. So good. I think I can. I think that is about as good as a spot as any to wrap this up. Stephanie Laflora, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, your journey. Uh, I mean, just keep kicking ass. Oh, my gosh. So great to meet you. Thank and you. Um, if people, Stephanie, if people are looking for you, Crown Hunt, what you do online, where can we find you?
1: If you're a stylist or if you have curly hair and you're looking to get all your curly hair needs met, you can go to crownhunt.io. And. Um, if you are looking for encouragement as a fellow entrepreneur, um, you can find me on Instagram at Stephanie LaFlora on Instagram. And we actually have a discord community called Founders Fam, where we're bringing together founders. We're doing brainstorms. We're working on their hardest problems and really developing all these things we're talking about, trying to get founders to enjoy the journey and work together to solve problems.
0: That is great. What I'm going to do, Stephanie, I'm going to put all of your your website, your Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm going to put it all in the show notes. So people are looking for Stephanie and want to connect with either Crown Hunt for product or you want to connect with Stephanie as an entrepreneur, just look in the show notes. It'll all be there. But Stephanie, thank you for joining us. I would keep going. Appreciate you sharing your story.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I like you. You got like, has anybody ever told you you remind them of Gary Vee? Really? Oh, really? That's an honor. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You're, you're awesome. like your cadence, your energy, like you feel very much, you even kind of look similar. I feel oh, like yeah. That's, yeah, Thank you. That's I appreciate it. Awesome. That's, that's
0: an honor. Thank you so much. Your story is awesome, Stephanie. You're an amazing interviewee and I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Can't wait to post this one.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You were a lot of fun. That was good.